Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network and streaming on Sirius XM. I am Sam Marku, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Colon. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm good. We were just talking off air. We're we're bored, right? Like, the Miami Heat just got eliminated from the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. Uh, they're they're done. Uh, Jimmy took uh, the, the the as a bad shot. I don't care what says. That's a bad shot. You got Al Horford one on one with no help. Tie the game. Like play defense. You, even if he makes that, they have too much time. Uh, it's a bad shot, Sam. I'm, I'm upset. And now it's just kind of like dead zone period for the for all sports. Well, you know the good news. You know, you should take a page out of my book and be a Lakers fan, and you don't have to worry about losing in any sort of conference finals or the playoffs at all. Your your season is over in April, and you don't have to worry about the heartaches of the playoffs at all. But uh, so sorry for the loss for the Miami Heat. I will say this. I am not a Miami Heat fan, but given the choices of the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, I was hardcore rooting for the Miami Heat because now, as it stands, I have to root for the Golden State freaking Warriors as a Lakers fan. Because why? Because fuck Boston. That's why. Because I can never root for the Celtics at all in any scenario. Even if the Celtics were playing, let's just say, the New England Patriots, I'm probably rooting for the Patriots over the Celtics. But the good news for me, Chris, is I am not a big, big basketball fan. So I really don't care that much. But what basketball was good for was the distraction because we are into the slow part of the NFL season. The NFL has done a very good job of turning the NFL into a 12-month year-round sport. But there's a dead spot here between May, end of May, and really the start of training camp in July here, Chris, and we are smack dab in the middle, or at least the beginning of the middle of that dead spot. Yeah, you get the you get the draft. Um, they release the schedule, um, and, and you can only you know watch that for so long before you're just like, wait a minute, why am I watching Rich Eisen talk about Oakland's Week Five national TV travel schedule? Like, I can just Google the 17 game schedule and know it. Um, so you watch it for five minutes. And then after that, like you said, I've been a couple sound bites here or there from a coach or a little snippet of two under throwing Tyreek Hill and um, voluntary OTAs. There's nothing, dude. Like we were just talking like NFL Network. This is a point in time. I remember last year just because I work from home. Like normally at one o'clock, I'd take my lunch. I'd watch NFL now uh, after good morning football. Now 
they just play replays of games because there's literally nothing to talk about. Yeah, there, there really isn't. We really need like a Dolphins player to get arrested or something like that just to give us something to talk about. Chris gives we'll me a face. Like, maybe maybe yeah. not that. Maybe not that extreme. Maybe uh, maybe a little, you know, kerfluffle outside of a nightclub or something so we could discuss uh, something with the Miami Dolphins. But that's OK. I mean, there might not be a lot going on in the NFL, but there is tons going on in the town of Perfectville uh, in just a little bit. Chris uh, Dolphins legend O.J. McDuffie, former first round pick Miami Dolphins receiver in the Hall of Fame, at least Miami Dolphins Hall of Fame, and uh, Dan Marino's favorite target ever, which is saying something, is going to be joining us here in the town of Perfectville. We're going to be talking all about the current team. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his playing days, and I want to get his thoughts on uh, what maybe what's the meanest thing somebody has ever said to him on the sidelines, and why did it come from Dan Marino? Because you know it had to come from Dan Marino. It's not coming from Richard Webb. It's not coming from Yatil Green. It's coming from Dan Marino. And I want to know what it is that was said and what O.J. McDuffie may have said back to him. Because you know O.J. I know Juice. That guy is not short on opinions, and he will tell you like it is. So I'm curious to talk to him. I'm excited, Chris. How about you? Yeah, the O.G. Juice. I got a list of questions here. I've been looking forward to it. I cannot wait for the interview. Uh, definitely bucket list for me. I mean, we've talked to him before, but this, it was kind of a little rushed and I'm excited to have like this really long detailed interview with him. Um, me and the two time doctor, Chris and, uh, our two time hall of famer and doctor, I should say, uh, as you can see rust, rust everywhere. OJ is going to clear up that rust. I'm more excited about the interview than, than um, no offense, the first and third uh, segments of this podcast. So yeah, get me there, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, you talk to me every single week. We don't talk to O.J. McDuffie every single week. So uh, I'm excited, too. No offense to talk to O.J. McDuffie uh, and not just Chris Cullen as much as I do love you being a two-time Hall of Famer and apparently a two-time doctor. So uh, I like how you just promoted yourself. But when you're a two-time Hall of Famer, you can do that. But uh, this podcast here, as we talked about before, is now streaming on SiriusXM. And there's a lot of Miami Dolphins podcasts out there. In fact, O.J. McDuffie has one himself with The Fish Tank along with Seth Levitt. Actually, a really, really good podcast. Um, but I saw this the other day here, Chris, and uh, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver extraordinaire for the Miami Dolphins, apparently is launching his own podcast later this week. So not only are we a podcast about the Miami Dolphins, but we have Miami Dolphins players that are going to have a podcast. And get this, Chris, this podcast, I believe the rumor is this podcast is uh, about players talking about media members. <laughs> So it's kind of like the exact opposite of what you and I are doing. I believe it's called It Needed to Be Said. And uh, this came out. He he talked about this because of what happened with the San Francisco 49ers player, Javon Crinlaw, recently, and Grant Cohn, uh, a writer who likes to stir shit up here on the West Coast. And there was a big argument that went across multiple platforms. And uh, Tyreek Hill is now coming out with a podcast where I believe he's going to be talking about the relationship of the media with players. So uh, I kind of am intrigued by that. What are your thoughts on Tyreek Hill flipping it on end and having a podcast where he's going to possibly be reviewing and critiquing media members as opposed to you and I, now official members of the media, critiquing players? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, they always say, you know, uh, stick to football or stick to sports. And these media members are mostly a bunch of nerds that have never played before. And they're just like, you know, critiquing uh, Brandon Marshall's route running or like Chad Pennington's arm strength when they couldn't themselves throw it more than 30 yards or even like catch the hike from the center, most likely. So it's going to be really interesting to see Tyreek Hill have a podcast. Um, I don't know how much the Dolphins are going to allow him to 
get away with? Is this going to be mostly from his time with media members and the national media in Kansas City? Because he hasn't been here for a long enough time where I believe he has a dedicated Omar Kelly episode because I'm really looking forward to that from like a, a hardcore player that's been here for a while. Because right now Tyreek's probably like, that guy's great. Just give, it a, give it a second there, buddy. So yeah, I'm definitely going to take a listen and hopefully he has like current players on too. That'd be great. I like that you threw the word believe in there. That was a nice little plug for the old network. You know, I don't know either. I'm, I'm curious as to how this is going to shake out. And that I, I, that is the rumor. He has not given a lot of insight into what he is going to do as a current player for the Miami Dolphins and how much he can actually say. I mean, he could say whatever he wants, I suppose, but you really don't want to ruffle too many feathers when you've got all this positive momentum coming into South Florida for the Miami Dolphins with everything Mike McDaniel's done and the players and everything else. But uh, I'm intrigued by it. Color be intrigued. I, I'd like the idea of a player having a podcast uh, during the season, as we go into the season, critiquing media members. That, that's, that's like an area that hasn't happened in a while or maybe ever. And I'm looking forward to it. And here's the other thing I'm looking forward to. We are one step away, I think. If this goes off, we're one step away from Tyreek Hill getting mic'd up during a game and recording a podcast while completing a pass on a slant route and burning the Buffalo Bills at home for a touchdown. And I would love to hear that audio in a podcast form as well. We're very close to podcasting while footballing at the same time, Chris, and I'm here for it. Hey, Terry, if you're doing any kind of research right now and like listening to other podcasts and trying to take like good things from each one, um, bit of advice. We have really good minds here when it comes to creative like games as far as uh, segments. And I already thought of one for you. We do ridiculous predictions, Ooh. right? And that's mm-hmm. a great one. Uh, we also do elite tweet, delete tweet. Yes. He could definitely do that with media members. Now, and as far as ridiculous predictions, I've, I've turned it a little bit Tyreek and I'd say um, ridiculous question of the week. And just like, you know, pick Barry Jackson's question when he goes, well, I'm third down. How come you try to do three guys? I don't know, Barry, maybe because I'm playing a fucking football game and you have no idea what you're talking about. No offense, Barry. I actually like him. But yeah, it, this is going to be great. We got segments for you, Terry. Hit us up on the DMs. Uh, we'll love to come on as well and talk shit about media members because we're, we're not real media members. Uh, um, and and it, we're, I'm happy to do it, Sam. This is going to be great. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about this. Like, we, we, he could just lift a couple steps. So instead of ridiculous predictions, he could just call them Tyreculous predictions and they're just predictions about where media members are going to go next like what is you know joe shad going to say next and he could just lay it out there just the way we used to with ridiculous predictions i like that idea and also i would just like to point out that um like chris said we would love to come on your show tyreek hill we've been doing this a long time six years i don't know if you know this tyreek hill but we're on sirius xm and I'll also say this. I don't think Chris Cullen or Sam Marco, you can check the archives, have ever said a bad word about you, even when you were on the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, if you are going to do a podcast bashing the media, I'm here for it. Just remember, we love you. And we've loved you ever since you were in Kansas City, my friend. So keep Sam and keep Chris on the good list and everybody else can go on the naughty list. I have something, speaking of lists of the good things we've said about Tyreek Hill, do you see the photos that came out of him in the actual official uniform? He looks fly. He does look fly. 
to use a, a, a phrase that's been outdated for 30 years in living color. This just went back to the in living color days of Fox. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a Wayans brother to join us, whether it's Marlon, Sean or uh, Keenan Ivory. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, I did see that. And, you know, what's funny is a lot of media members, because they showed him in the aqua jersey, said, oh, here's Tyreek Hill in the home jersey. No. And as Miami Dolphins are quick to point out, you don't know shit. And you can prove you don't know shit about the Miami Dolphins if you consider the aqua jersey the home jersey. Because the white jersey, what is traditionally the away jersey, is the official home jersey for the Miami Dolphins. Well, and that is point uh, number 78 to why Tyreek Hill should start a podcast shitting on media members. Because they like, how do you not know the basics of, of I mean, like the absolute basics. The only thing that would make that worse, Sam, is they called it teal. Mm. Can't stand when they call it teal. Another, you know, I had another thing I can't stand. You know, it really grinds my gears. Grinds their when gears. People, when people talk about some of the best players in Dolphins history and say Zach Thomas with a K. Yes. Stop. It's a CH. It's Zachary Thomas. Stop with the K. It's, I mean, you imagine Chris with a K, Sam with a, a, a LM, Salm, you know, with the L silent. Yeah. No, guys, it's an H. You're not a fan if you don't know that. Yeah, there are certain things that you do need to know. Uh, knowing how to spell Zach Thomas's name, if you're going to put him on a list of the greatest ever, of people that should know who he is, you know, it's not too hard to Google Zach Thomas and and see how to spell the name. I agree with you there. Uh, you have to know that the home jersey for the Miami Dolphins is the white jersey, not the teal, quote-unquote, jersey. Um, and you're right. I hate when people call it teal. I get that. That's what you're right. That's one of those things that, like, I'm out here by the San Jose Sharks, and their colors are teal. So yeah. when I wear Dolphins colors, people are like, oh, yeah, you're wearing that teal. I'm like, it is not teal. It's aquamarine, which makes me sound like a jackass, number one. So I don't like that. And number two, it's also not orange, you know, but on a lesser scale, we it's accept coral, that right? it's coral. It's aquamarine yeah. and coral. And I understand that, like, nobody else cares about that, but I do. And when you're talking about the Miami Dolphins, you're talking Super Bowl, number one. But number two, you're talking aquamarine and coral. Let's get it right, ladies and gentlemen. Another thing that Tyreek Hill can definitely shit on when it comes to the media, and they can get their color palette correct when talking about his beloved Miami Dolphins. Yeah, speaking of outdated, that fucking song. Jesus Christ. It's the cringiest thing. It's recorded in a soup can, like, during the Prohibition era, and we haven't been to a Super Bowl since uh, Joe Montana was a active football player, let alone won one. So when you're talking Miami, you're talking NBA championships because that's the most recent of any kind of championship in that city. So speaking about dated, wow. No, let's uh, hold on a second. We have hosted many a Super Bowl in Miami. Now, the Dolphins weren't in it, but the song says when you're talking Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. And it was just a prediction on how many Super Bowls we would be hosting over the years, I believe. Uh, we did a whole episode way back when we started, if you remember, Chris, on the different fight songs and how bad NFL fight songs were. And for those that haven't seen it or listened to it, and for those that aren't in the know, the worst thing about the Miami Dolphins theme song is that it was stolen from the Houston Oilers, now the Tennessee Titans. So it's not even an original ditty. It was like this guy wrote it in Houston. Diddy, was, what yeah, you that's right. Today? It was a ditty, and uh, you just said fly. You said he looked fly and so grind I'm, my gears and so grind yeah, your this gears. Is the throwback episode, yeah. of, uh, almost the start of June. So you go ahead and pull up your pants and get off my lawn with your old man speak over there. You know, here's something that was pointed out to me too. Kind of side note: as I get older, there's thir- certain things that I've noticed about myself. Number one, if a plane is flying overhead, 
I've become the guy that looks up and kind of squints and stares way too long at the plane, trying to figure out like if it's a single prop or double prop, like what is that a Cessna? Like it matters. That's something like an old guy does. Like you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, it's a plane. Yeah, of course, planes fly overhead. Now I stop what I'm doing. I could be walking across a busy street. And if I hear a plane just flying overhead, I stop and look up at it. Like I'm somehow going to, I don't know, diagnose what type of plane it is from the ground. That's something that old people do. Number one, if you do that, you're old. Number two, I have become obsessed with how much garbage is in my outside garbage can. Like by Wednesday, I'm like, whoa, this thing is over halfway full and the garbage man doesn't come until Monday. We're going to have to seriously figure out what we're going to do for the rest of the week. And I was I was told to me yesterday, that is very old manish. that old men worry about that type of shit. And apparently I'm there, Chris. So we, this is why we our, our podcast is so good. First, first of all, I do the same thing in the airplane, and I also go, oh, what if someone's looking out the window right where I'm standing right now? You know, And I look like an ant to them. It's pretty cool. And then the second one, I actually thought about it today, Sam, driving back from the grocery store. I had to get some bread and lunch meat, um, and, I, and I drive by a garbage can that my neighbor left out. Just a quick little rundown. Our neighborhood gets picked up on Thursdays. It is Tuesday as we record this, and there's a full trash can that they obviously got out late Thursday of last week that got missed, and they said, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there till next week, and the best part is I just thought about it. I'm like, they're not going to have trash the rest of the week? This is crazy, and I just thought about it. Would it be Memorial Day? I can't believe I find this so amusing. It won't get picked up till Friday because it oh, gets no. pushed today. Like, what are we doing here, guys? We're so old. We're going to have flies. This isn't good for the neighborhood. <laughs> that, no, I'm honestly obsessed with it. And like, one of the, like my greatest accomplishment happened on Sunday that I was able to shove all the recycling down and get like two more boxes in. And I came in and like announced to the world, like, I have a house full of children. You know, we're on Sirius XM. I have a pretty good career going. And I'm like, guess what I just did? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I put two extra boxes in the recycling. The kids are just like, we're all proud of you, dad. I'm like, you should be. That was an accomplishment. But it's just, it's a sign of aging, man. I look at planes and I worry about garbage. Yeah, I'm the type too. If we have like a lot of cans, say, you know, it's a weekend, had a lot of beers or you know, soda. Um, and my son's walk by, he's being proactive as a teenager. Oh, great. So, dad, should I take out the garbage? And I go, no. <sighs> and push it down to give us another 50% space of the garbage can. We are totally <laughs> lasting a lot longer than that. Just push it down, man. And it's so satisfying. And, they, and you got to do it right, right? You, you can't just do it with your hand. Gross. No. You grab like like a small like. Like a paper uh, plate and you or push a paper it down. Plate, yes. Flip yes. it, clean side, and push down. That is like ultimate dadding. And uh, <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever done so far. <laughs> is, we spend an entire 15 minutes talking about garbage. But you know what? There's a lot of people right now nodding their heads in agreement. They're absolutely like. There's also a lot of people that are like, what's all this talk about the New York Jets? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Tying it back in. Hi uh, but yeah, I, th those are things that I've realized recently are like my, uh, obsessions of mine because I'm getting older. Here's something else, by the way, if we're talking about gears being grinded and tying it into garbage. I, if I have to take the garbage out after I've smushed it down and it can no longer be smushed, We'll untie that thing, pull it out of the can. You know, it's now like a big old sausage container and it's kind of stuck. So you have to fight that thing out. And then I walk my ass outside, whether it's raining, whether it's hot, whether there's bees, whether there's ants, whether there's, as there was the other day, a coyote outside of my front door. And I walk that thing to the big can and I drop it in. 
No one else in my household does that, Chris. Everyone else, if they take out the garbage, takes it out, opens the front door, and drops it on the porch like the fucking Flintstones. And then I have to come home, and I'm like, why is there garbage on my front porch? And they're like, well, we didn't walk all the way around the car to drop it off in the can on the side yard. And it's infuriating. And you know what? I found out this is not a, a, a Marku household thing. This happens more often than people are willing to talk about. But my God, is there a more insinuous, like, like insidious thing to have to come home to is then when you drive up and you see recycling and garbage on your front porch yeah and especially if it's like leaking or if an animal gets into it what are we doing get in the garbage can that happened to me this weekend sam i come downstairs (laughs) i look at the sliding glass window and if i can just paint the picture for everybody you open the sliding glass window in my backyard turn to the right and about eight steps there is my garbage cans. <laughs> it's not far at all. You're not traversing over rocks. There's not, uh, you know, splinters and heavy mulching. It is a very clean, easy walk, mostly on a patio, which is concrete. And I look and there's a full trash bag laying outside at least and not inside uh, leaning up against the wall next to it. And I said, hey, babe, what's up with the trash sitting right here? Oh, I was going to take it out, but then got distracted by the dog. It's eight steps away. <laughs> like you're holding it. I don't. So I'm like, I mean, I'll get it. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm so glad this we were having this grinding my gears episode because this is a uh, relevant stuff to both of us. Like you said, it's not just market. It is. Yeah. It's, it's across the board. This is this is quite frankly. This is the this is the podcast episode that no one needed, but everyone absolutely needs to have. Like no one wanted to see but how needed. many people agree to this. This is there's so many people right now just in traffic, shaking their head yes, rocking back and forth in their car, like they're at a sermon right now, just hearing the two pastors preach about the garbage etiquette and what is happening with planes flying overhead. Um, it's just, it's just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, but, uh, I where they're going <laughs> on the airports the other way. I, I bet he just took off. I bet you that's what's happening. They're heading North. I bet you they're going to New York. Uh, like, uh, hey, look, he's probably heading South. Must be the winter. <laughs> and then you just, you know, trip over the garbage as you're looking up. Cause you're not paying attention and you fall and die. That's how I'm going to die. I'm going to die tripping over garbage. That's on my porch, looking at a plane overhead. That's, that's it. I just figured it out. That's, that's how I die. That's that's a terrible way to go. <laughs> Just imagine that. <laughs> but that, that now stuff. makes plenty of sense. Uh, oh well, I think uh, I think we've put in enough time. I, we, we mentioned the Dolphins during this, right? At some point, this is a Miami Dolphins and, podcast and, 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 a, and a divisional rival. Yeah, we've yeah. been talking mostly about them, but um, yeah, divisional rival got named and everything. So I've been chugging bubblies, if you didn't know. So I, it sounds like we're about to end the segment. I'm going to just run to the bathroom real quick. Do not start the OJ McDuffie uh, interview. I, I got to be a part of it. I got a list of questions. I'll literally be quickly. We'll go back. All right. Well, you go, you go potty. Um, yeah. Make sure you take out the garbage. Make sure you uh, figure out what plane is flying overhead right now. I will. Uh, I think OJ McDuffie just texted me. said he's getting ready to hop on here. We're going to have ourselves cool. a nice little discussion with OJ McDuffie right after these words. Don't go anywhere. Citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Listen up. This is Sam Marku from the Perfectville podcast. And this episode is brought to you in part by Auto Approve. Now, what is Auto Approve, you may ask? I'm so glad you would ask that. Auto Approve is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. And who doesn't want easier and faster in today's environment? Am I right? 
AutoProof connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates. Then helps handle the paperwork, simplifying the vehicle refinance process from beginning to end and putting more money back in your pocket. Take your tailgate to the next level with more money in your pocket. More money means better seats for all you doll fans out there. More money means another round with the boys. That's right. Hit the bar, drink some suds, then have another one with your buds. Make more money for game night with friends. More money for that New Jersey. That's right. We got Tyreek Hill. We got Jalen Waddle. We got Tua Tungabailoa. You guys need that money, that extra money. And what would you do with that money? I tell you what I'm doing. I am going to buy that jersey. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins games, and I'm spending some money at the casinos, betting that those Miami Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl. It's 55 to 1 odds, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what AutoApproved can do for you. More money back in your wallet. Not only will they save you thousands on your auto loan, but for all the listeners that are out there, refinance through AutoApproved, and they will send you $100 cash in your mailbox. That's right, 100 big ones. Mr. Benjamin, straight to your mailbox. And why are they doing this? Because they're solving problems, ladies and gentlemen. They're finding solutions to problems in your life. Most people are paying too much on their vehicle loan. In 2021, auto-approved customers saved on average $164 a month. Now, I'm no mathematician, ladies and gentlemen, but over 12 months, which is one year, that's thousands of dollars in savings that auto-approved is doing for you. They never mark up rates. The rate that the lender offers is the rate we pass on to you. What a service, ladies and gentlemen. With auto approval, vehicle owners can lower their monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. Who wouldn't want both? That's having your cake and eating it too. To find out how much you can save and to claim your $100 cash back offer, visit autoapprove.com slash believe. That's autoapprove.com slash believe. Joining us now in the town of Perfectville is a guy who needs no introduction, but this is an audio podcast, so we will give him an introduction. He is none other than Mr. 81, OJ McDuffie, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver, former first round pick for the Miami Dolphins out of Penn State. Uh, Dan Marino's favorite wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken. I remember reading that when I was a young man there, OJ McDuffie, that <laughs> there he, <you> go. <laughs> he touts you as uh, the best wide receiver. And that's saying something, by the way, because Dan Marino not only threw to a bunch of wide receivers, but you being one of the greatest of all time for the Miami Dolphins is an accomplishment. Because when you look back at the history, the rich history of the Miami Dolphins and the wide receivers that have come out of here from Nat Moore to Paul Warfield to the Duper brothers or Mark Duper, Mark Clayton. And, you know, even to current day, we got some guys that we're going to talk about here that I think are going to leave a legacy for the Miami Dolphins. You being in that and on some levels at the top, um, means something. It really does. So uh, welcome. Welcome back to the town of Perfectville, the returning champion. He's been here before. Uh, how's life, my friend? It's hot, man. You see, I'm out here sweating. I had to get, I got kicked out of the house just now because uh, they're doing some work in there. And so I figured I'd set up out here on the deck, man. It is blazing out here. But other than that, man, everything's pretty good, bro. Um, and back to the whole Danny thing you just said, you know, I was his last guy so that's probably why he says that he probably doesn't remember too much of the earlier guys man so it's that recency effect juice you could say it's recency bias but you know looking at your numbers and looking what you did for the miami dolphins uh in the 90s it, it is quite impressive was it 1998 i think you had 90 receptions you had over a thousand yards back when that meant something not right, that it doesn't right. mean something now <laughs> but it meant a whole lot more back in the 90s yeah. than it does now in terms of being a thousand yard receiver um and just one of the greatest of all time to do it so uh no it's it's great but speaking of dan marino i i've had this question and i'm thinking of you i, I asked this of richmond webb as well but um i have to know 
What is the meanest thing Dan Marino ever said to you, either on the sidelines, in practice, or in the huddle? Was there a time where he just said something where you're like, I feel bad that I let Dan Marino down or that he just made you feel uh, less than what you are? Well, you know, man, he, you know, you know, he's, here's the thing about Danny. You know, a lot of people, you know, they see him on TV. They see him yelling at people or whatever. That's just competitive nature in him. We all have that competitive nature in ourselves, right? Yep. But there are a couple times where you see Danny yelling at somebody on Sunday, and then on Monday you look back at film and, and Danny was wrong, you know? There's only a couple now, and not very many. There's not very many, but those two that he did get wrong that I know of, one of them, you know, when, uh, you know, it looks like on TV that I was the one running the wrong route and we get to Monday and Danny had a wrong read. But if you listen to the commentators on TV, you know, they're the ones that saying it has to be Duffy's fault because Danny's been around for 15, 16, 17 years or whatever it was, man. So, you know, so we'll get into it every once in a while. We got into it at Oakland one time because they were they were knocking the crap out of him, man. And Danny's tough as he is, man. At this point, you know, they were getting at him so quick that, you know, he he was throwing the ball quick. We couldn't get 10, 12-yard routes run because he was getting hit so much. And me and him got into it on the sideline. And, you know, we probably, you know, I think that might have solidified our our relationship and friendship and, you know, competitiveness with each other when we were able to go at each other a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I told Danny, I said, Danny, you know what I mean? You got you to gotta sit in there, man, because you, you're acting like a little, little – little, acting a little soft. I'll, I'll put it that way in the pocket. And he said, what'd you say, OJ? I'm like, man, you, you heard me, man. You're acting a little soft in the pocket. He said, well, you know what? I'm not going to throw the football to you anymore then. I said, you haven't been throwing it to me anyways. <laughs> you know, it was at that point where I could even get 10 yards down the field, man. But at that point, man, he came up to me a little bit later in the game. He said, all right, man, I'm going to hang in there a little longer. You know, and Danny, man, he never shies away from the contact. You always sit in there for the hits, man. So for me to call him out was probably wrong because I know for a fact that usually, man, I mean, we've had some times where he told guys like, yo, if they bring this weak little slot blitz or corner blitz, you know, just just keep going. I'll take the hit and get the throw off. And he's, he's done that multiple times, man. So, you know, we had it out that one time, man. But, he, you know, he yells at you more probably in practice than he does in games about wrong routes and, you know, breaking it off too soon or not getting my head around. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, he'll do that, but then, you know, we're back to being normal again, man. So he's, he's a great competitor that way. Uh, great teammate that way, and he doesn't let anything fester as as, as teammates. Well, you got to let it go, and and that's great to hear. And, and you know what? Look, I, I'm from Oakland, California. You just talked about that story happening in Oakland, California. When you come to Oakland, California, you you've got a little bit more grumpiness to you, just in general. There's uh, there's just a little bit of that. I don't know what it is, but you get into Alameda County, you walk into uh, that old Raider Stadium. Oh my goodness, you're a little bit more pissed off than you normally are. So yeah, I yeah. I get it. But he he should have been yelling at the offensive line if he's getting hit every single time. Not you, right? Yeah, and that's the thing about it, man. I think he he probably was getting on them a little bit, but I got on him for. Now not hanging in there a little longer so he was pissed off about everybody in the offense that day I think the whole <laughs> offense was pissing him off that day well you know what and, and you know the thing is like I, I would imagine and you would know better than most you know if Dan Reno's mad at you and he's not going to throw you the ball that is a punishment but I kind of feel like if he was really mad at you, he'd be throwing the ball even harder at you and maybe at the legs getting you Charlie horsed up and everything else maybe it was a good thing he wasn't throwing you the ball yeah, for a quarter he, he couldn't get his fastball by me though dog he knew he can't get that fastball by me you know what I mean? I played baseball I, I that fastball coming at 93, 94, I can, I can handle that. <laughs> there it is. We we're talking to OJ McDuffie from The Fish Tank, his own podcast there, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Uh, one of the greatest, actually, podcasts out there for the Miami Dolphins. There's a bunch of them out there, but uh, OJ and Seth Levitt got themselves a good one there. And you can find OJ just about every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. 
Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This is where I usually talk to, to Juice is on uh, Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Uh, you guys got something going on, man. Every every Wednesday, I get a little ping on my phone, and it's you, it's Travis Wingfield, it's Seth, and uh, you guys just talk to the fans. You you listen to us. You you uh, Even if we have dumb takes, you, you, you guys take it in, you absorb it, and you come back with uh, some actual knowledge. Uh, what's that been like, just having that interaction with Miami Dolphins uh, every single Wednesday? I think it's been a lot of fun, man. And there are no dumb takes, as you know, man. There's some, <laughs> some wild ones sometimes. I tell you, it's a chance for us to be ourselves more than we can in some other spaces. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of times we're working for the Dolphins with the Dolphins, which we are still with the spaces. You know, it's we got to keep it kind of uh, kind of clean at times. And and uh, but I think it's a nice opportunity for us to really, really get the bond with everybody. And, you know, answer their questions, even if we don't have answers for them, you know, at least we get to hear what everybody's thinking, what they're talking about. And, it, you know, and it keeps football going, you know, during this time of year, which is so much fun, man. Just be able to talk football, you know, every day of the week, pretty much, or once a week, you know, all year round is it's so much fun. And, you know, Travis and, and Seth, you know, they, they, they pitched the concept to, to our boss, Jason Jenkins, and he said, all right, let's give it a shot. And we've enjoyed it, man. We really have. You know, last week, obviously, we took a, some time sure. off because of the tragedy last week. Um, so we didn't do it last week, man. But we'll be back at it again tomorrow night. And, um, and it's like I said, it's just a fun, fun time to go out there. We all, we're supposed to be on for like an hour. We usually get into an hour and 45 and sometimes close to two hours because we're having such a good time with it. Yeah, a lot of times I'm uh, I'm at my daughter's softball practice on Wednesdays is when she practices. Season just ended, thankfully, but uh, you know I'll see I'll see you guys there and I'll kind of try to listen while also yelling at her to run out right. of, you know <laughs> uh, first to first base and then I'll get done you know and it's like six thirty my time here in, in California and you guys are still rocking and rolling. I'm like man, look at this extra bonus content for all the Dolphins out there. Yeah, so that nobody better complain about uh, the fact that you guys are up there and going for in some cases close to two hours. Uh, but you talk you you said it talking ball. Um, you're following the Miami Dolphins obviously very closely this year. What is what is the take? I mean, I the fans are looking at this juice and saying Mike McDaniel, the orange jersey. You know, the, every single day the orange jersey goes to the the, the player and uh, OTAs that had the best day the night before. They get to pick the music. It seems like the vibe for the Miami Dolphins right now is completely different than what we've seen over the last few years. I mean, what do you think of everything that Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, this coaching staff, and these players? I don't want to discount what they've done because they seem to have been bought in and said, let's do this. Uh, what do you make of the Miami Dolphins right now going into the 2022 season? It just seems like a completely different team than last year. Yeah, you know what? It really is in terms of, you know, obviously there are a lot of the same components uh, personnel-wise. Then you talk about a new head coach and Mike McDaniel and the, the energy he brings, man. You know, I'm, I'm a still I'm still and always will be a Coach Flores fan. Yeah. You know, but we have to move on as Dolphins to what's next. And I met Mike McDaniel, man, and instantly fell in love with him as a head coach. And I can tell the players have that same love for him, man. And, of course, it's the offseason. It's OTAs and shorts and T-shirts and things like that. So, you know, once that first loss hits, and it's going to hit, of course, you know, then we'll see how he reacts, how we react, and everything like that. But the energy and the positive you know, uh, energy that's in that building now, it's you can feel it throughout the whole building. You know, we record our podcast, you know, in the building as well. You can see it throughout everybody, through the people that do the media, the 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 film guys, the sound guys that we work with, man. It's just a nice, uh, nice atmosphere around there that's really conducive to, you know, getting things done and people enjoying getting things done over there, man. And you see it with the players. I mean, that's how you want to see guys come out to practice. You know, there's so many times you see people come out to practice like, oh, hell, here we go. Practice again, you know. You see these guys all upbeat, listening to music, 
You know, the, the, the tempo is nice. You know, the orange jersey thing is amazing. You know, we just did an interview with somebody. Uh, I don't know when it's on drop, so I don't even want to drop his name yet. But once he gets the orange jersey, we already know what his music selection is going to be, you know, because that's exciting for these guys to get that yeah. jersey and then be able to control the situation like that, man. So I, I just think the, the energy is so good. He also talked about this guy, and I'll tell you, he was a defensive guy. He's also talked about how, you know, he's been able to read so many different defenses, you know, playing football. And then, but when he's going against our offense right now, it's been hard to read it. You know, one look would tell you one thing and then they'll do something else and, and vice versa. And, you know, so that's that's a great thing going on right now. So the offensive guys are excited. Defensive guys are back and excited. And uh, I just think that what Mike brings to the table, man, and what Chris has done in the offseason, uh, it's just been special. We always go in. Let's be honest. We always go into the offseason sure. thinking, all right, you know, this is our year. You know, everything's everything's different. We, I just have a you know, I just feel great about the, you know, the free agents we picked up, some of the draft picks we picked up. For some reason, this year seems completely different. I'm even more excited than I've ever been for this team. No, I'm glad you said that because you're right. I mean, first and foremost, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, have been my entire life. But every single year, we, we go, okay, this is it. We fixed whatever mistakes we had. This is our time. This is our chance. And then it doesn't work out for whatever reason. But I've always seen the national media, the national narrative for the Miami Dolphins has always been, Let's just wait and see what happens. Even when they would have these good seasons recently, it was kind of like, well, you know, is it a fluke? Is it something that's sustainable? Uh, I go back to the Wildcat, and that was really the national narratives. Yeah, it's cute and fun, but it can't be done every single season, you know, week in, week out, which proved to be true. Right. I will say this. The national media right now has been very favorable to the Miami Dolphins and just about everything they've done this offseason. I was at the NFL draft in Las Vegas about a month and a half ago, and I ran into um, – Jonathan Bean, who's the chief diversity officer for the or for the for the for the NFL, mm -hmm. and I was talking to him, and he had nothing but praise for Mike McDaniel, uh, for Tom Garfinkel, and the Miami Dolphins organization with regards to the people that are running day to day operations, uh, from the coaching staff to the front end. And it blew my mind to see that people within the NFL are he, he called he called people within the Miami Dolphins organization geniuses, juice, and, and you don't see that. Every single year, you see the fans get excited, but you don't see national media. You don't see people within the NFL necessarily saying you guys are on to something and you're starting to see that. And it's amazing to me to see where this team was at the end of last year to the beginning of this year in terms of the season and just how almost across the board. I mean, there's some outliers, but across the board, the national media is saying we're looking forward to the Miami Dolphins in 2022. Yeah, man. I mean, and they should be, man. Only people that aren't looking forward to it seems like it's Vegas. You know, what I mean, I think we were at eight and a half of your over under. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a 500 season right there, man. Yeah. So that's a little puzzling to me right there. And uh, I know we've got a tough schedule. You know, you talk about the, you know, that stretch of, you know, the California games and then coming into Buffalo on the road as well. And, you know, some tough ones right right away. But hell, everybody's got some tough ones, man. And, uh, you know, it really is that, you know, one, you know, going one and oh every every week. Uh, and I think that's the, the attitude that Mike McDaniel will have. But I think we're going to we're going to shock a lot of people. I think we got to we're building a team right now up front with an offensive line and defensive line and running backs that can play, you know, 17 weeks out of the season. You know, before it was like more, you know, you get into the winter months, you got to go to Buffalo or New yeah. England or somewhere and you, you're struggling with the weather. I think we've got a team now, at least we're working towards that type of team that, you know, can, can go on the road with a defense, defense travels. If you can run the ball, that travels as well, you know. So that's the difference, I think, that we have, uh, you know, the, the mentality that we have to be able that we're going to go run the ball, 
you know what I mean, stop us, be able to run four-minute offense, five-minute offense late in games, you know, get the ball to some, some guys like, you know, Tyreek or, or Jalen and let them get you seven, eight, nine yards real quick. I think that, you know, the, the, they're building the team the right way to go out there and win playoff games late in the season. You know, I, I, I'm okay with Vegas being a little bit short on the Miami Dolphins win total because I was, like I said, I was there about a month and a half ago, and I think it was 55 to 1 odds for the Miami Dolphins to make the Super Bowl. And I was like, I'd be stupid to not drop $100 right Why now. Why not? You know, so we'll, we'll see how the season plays out, but I might be taking another trip to Vegas here uh, in, in the wintertime if all things fall the way we think they're going <laughs> to fall. Like and I like that. what you said, defense travels. The Miami Dolphins brought back pretty much their entire defense from last year. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They've added some pieces, both veterans and rookies. Uh, but I wanted to focus on your areas of expertise on the offensive side of the ball, because that's where you've seen the most change, whether it's the coaching staff or just just about every position group other than tight ends has had what I would consider to be an upgrade or an update, um, even in the quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater coming in. So focusing on the wide receivers there, OJ, we, the, the Miami Dolphins year over year have had, I would say, what, what would be nothing short of a challenging group in terms of consistent production. You would have you know, one wide receiver has a good season, then falls off the next season, and you don't have this wide receiving room that I think has talent from you know, the first position down to the fifth or sixth. That seems to have changed now. Uh, PFF graded the Miami Dolphins having the number two wide receiving core in all of the NFL. And it makes sense. I mean, you see what they did to go get Tyreek Hill. You see what Jalen Waddle did his rookie season. You signed Cedric Wilson Jr. You actually draft Eric Azukanma out of uh, Texas Tech uh, with the fourth pick. You only had four draft picks in the 2022 draft. You used one of them on a wide receiver. It looks like the top four. Uh, are probably locked in. And my question for you is, especially somebody who used to run back punts and did special teams on top of everything you did as a wide receiver, the Miami Dolphins are maybe going to keep six wide receivers total, right? I don't know that they're going to go seven. That would be kind of unheard of. Usually, traditionally, it's five. You can see six happening. If the top four are locked up with those players that I just talked about, you still have names like Preston Williams out there. You've got Trent Sherfield that you you signed from the San Francisco 49ers who knows Mike McDaniel's system, mm -hmm. who does play special teams, as well as people like Lynn Bowden. Uh, you also have a bunch of other people that you brought in as unrestricted or uh, undrafted free agents and just a few others. How do you stand out if you are gunning for that fifth and possibly sixth wide receiver spot for the Miami Dolphins? How do you stand out in that crowd? What do you do to make yourself look that much more enticing to this coaching staff to where you have a job come week one? Yeah, I, honestly, this is the time of year right now. You know, the offseason workout program, phase one, phase two, the OTAs, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you're sitting at four, five, six, six, seven at wide receiver, your best friend should be our offense, our, our special teams coach. Yeah. You know, anything and everything he asks you to do is what you do. You know, if he wants you as a flyer, you know, to go down there and, you know, and cover punts. If he wants you to run down on kickoffs, man, be the first in line for all that stuff, man, because they pay attention to every single detail. And when it comes down to that final you know, 47 to 53 man on the spot on the roster, that special teams guy is the one that's in those meetings battling for you. If he's the guy that if he feels that you're the guy that'll go out there and do that, that that work for him. So uh, I think that's the best way to do it, man. And also, you know, and drills this offseason, be the first one. Be the first one out there, last one on the field. Uh when you're running drills, be the first one in line to, you know, to 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 run the sprints, uh, be in that weight room. All those little things you know, lead to winning and they want that, that, that winning mentality. And that's what a lot of these coaches are going to be looking for when they're trying to fill up those last few spots, man. You're right. I think the top four are probably locked in, but to get to those other positions, man, those are the little things you have to do to, to leave that lasting impression on the coaches and the coaching staff. 
Yeah. And you know, like you said, you, you got to say yes, just about everything, right? If you, if you're being true to yourself and you know that, look, Tyreek Hill, Jalen and Cedric are probably yeah. your top three, yep. the rookies coming in, he's, he's not guaranteed a spot, but you know, they're probably hoping he's going to work out the way they, they, they entice, you know, anticipate you're looking at the bottom half of that wide receiver room going, how do I stand out? And, yeah. you know, special teams always seems like the answer, but what you just said is exactly right. You got to be the first in last out. You got to say yes to everything. You got to make sure your technique is working. You're working hard. You're, you know, you're pushing through, you know, the, the, the humidity and the heat. Oh yeah. Florida, oh yeah. Uh, as we, both- I'm going to tell you another tough spot's going to be that running back room. I mean, I mean, it's going to be hard to get guys dressed out for that as well. I mean, you think about it, you know, when you bring in Chase and you bring in, you just get Sony signed the other day and yep. you already got Raheem, you know, Miles has been solid for us, man. That's a tough room too, man, because there's only going to be a couple guys that are going to be able to dress out every single game. So whoever's sitting in the back of that, you know, they're going to have to learn how to do a lot of special teams as well. I was thinking about that too. And that's actually where I was going to go next. So I'm glad you teed that Sorry up. Sorry about that. No, no, that's exactly, that's exactly where I wanted to go is, you know, if I'm Miles Gaskin and I'm looking at this and I'm, and I'm reading the writing on the wall, you know, he's the incumbent. He's the guy who was the start of the last couple of years. Miles does a lot of great things, mm-hmm. but you know, the Miami Dolphins pretty much brought in the NFC West running back room here. When you, when you look at everybody that they signed this off season, that tells me something if I'm Miles Gaskin that, you know, I, I may be the starter right now, but they're looking for, talent in this room they're looking for you know somebody to maybe do more than what i'm doing right now so if you're a starter like miles gaskin has been and you see that you brought in chase edmonds and they brought in sony michelle and they brought in raheem mostert are you looking at this going my days are numbered or are you looking at this going okay we now have more talent we're going to be a much stronger unit and i'm a part of that i mean i think that's got to be the mentality but on some level that's got to motivate you to say i got to do something better whatever that something is yeah, that's a good point, man. I mean, anytime they bring guys in, free agency or the draft, in your position, you always have to think, okay, who's <laughs> who's the odd man out here? You know, because that's always, you know, that's always a thought in everybody's mind. Um, you know, you sit there as a wide receiver, say for myself, and we see him draft like a Util Green in the first yeah. round, like, oh, hell, here we go. You know, <laughs> got to motivate myself and got to get going again, man, even though, you know, I was always pretty much motivated. But you have to start thinking that way. But Miles is a guy that always works hard. First one there, last one to leave. So his work ethic will give him the opportunities that he's going to deserve, you know, through the offseason, through training camp, and, and possibly into the regular season. You know, I think the reason they, they went for the other guys is just a little bit bigger. Yeah. You know, looking for more size to that position. And Miles, is he's a tough dude, man. But obviously the size is, is, could be a possible issue. And if we're talking about what we were talking about earlier, those late months, you know, when you got to run the football and they know you're going to run it, you need some bigger guys that can pound it in there. And we've seen Sony do that. You know, we've seen Edmonds do that. You know, Mo, Raheem's more of a change of pace guy that can, fl- that can flat out fly. You know, so, I mean, those are the situations that we want to get ourselves into. And Miles, as good as he is, still lacks that size at times to get those tough yards that we need. So he's going to have to figure out some other things, return kicks, cover kicks, all that stuff is going to be reasons to be kept on that 53-man roster. Yeah, he's got to shift his thinking a little bit. I agree with you. I was talking to somebody the other day about it. I said, look, if I'm Miles Gaskin, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, there's an opportunity, but I need to figure out what that opportunity is and then go execute it to the best of my abilities. Otherwise, look, I mean, one of the things I love about this roster build is that oftentimes you'll see teams and they're building out, okay, well, you know, we have a starting running back. We need to fill the back end of the roster. It To me, it seemed like the Miami Dolphins, especially in offense, went, okay, we have talent. You know, there, there's talent at every position, but if I can get better talent, 
you know, then that just means my depth becomes so much better. And it looks like we're building from the top down as opposed to the bottom up and backfill in some of these positions. And you look at the offensive line and what they did there. You look at the running backs room and even the wide receiver room. And, it, you know, it's it to me, it was a stunning rebuild in one offseason uh, just to see what they did. And they played to their strengths. They had money. They had cap room. They went out and did it. They had tr- uh, draft capital. They went out and got Tyreek Hill. And you look at all this, and we talked about the national narrative changing for the Miami Dolphins. We talk about the vibe of the Miami Dolphins right now in South Florida. Uh, What is the expectation in your mind for the – I mean, is it playoffs or bust for the Miami Dolphins in Mike McDaniel's rookie campaign as a head coach, or does he have a little bit more rope with fans, you think? Well, I mean, he – it really is playoffs or bust for for us. It it really feels that way for me. I mean, when you keep your whole defense intact, which is one of the top in the you know, top five in the league, you know, and then you bring in, you know, these other weapons uh, and, and Mike, Mike McDaniel genius, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. I, I think it is. Play. We've been one, one, one win away for the last couple of years, bro. You know what I mean? I think Mike McDaniel is going to give us that one extra win to get us into the playoffs, you know, especially now with a 17 game schedule, you know, we've got to get to 10 and seven, 11 and six somehow. And I think we can get there. I really do feel like we can get there. And, um, so, yeah, for us as fans, you know, hell, we've been on the outside of the playoffs looking in for the last few years, you know. Uh, so now it's, it's time to make that move. And Mike has that experience, you know, not as a head coach, head coach, obviously, but that playoff experience and what it takes to get there. And you got some guys on this roster that we just talked about, some of these additions that have been in the playoffs and know how to get us there. Um, so, yeah, playoff or bust, I wouldn't say bust because, you know, he's going to get all the opportunities and we've got a hell of an offseason coming next year, too, with draft picks and, and draft capital and, and money as well. So, you know, we'll see what we can do this year to get into the playoffs and then we'll see what was really going to happen next year. Uh, but this year, I think we should get there. And I, I don't think it's going to be a bust situation, like, we, like you said, but I think it's going to be a big year for a rookie head coach. He's going to have a big year. Well, I, you know, like I said, I already dropped a, a little Benjamin over there in Vegas on that 55 to, 55 to one odd. So if we can, if we can at least represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, That's I think right. I'm a happy man at that point. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, Juice. So I, I, you're a former player. What is it like when the when this when the uh, schedule comes out and you look at this and you go, okay, we know we're playing the Bills, we know we're playing the Patriots. Back in the day, we'd play the Colts twice a year as well as the Jets. So take the AFC East out of it and you look at who. The, the Miami Dolphins are playing? Was there always a game? Because you you kind of know who you're playing ahead of time. It's just a matter of when. Um, is there a, is there a team that you went and said, I cannot wait to play that team, either at home or on the road, whether it was a team you grew up you know, rooting for or if there's just a, a, a player on another team that you didn't like, so you wanted to go up against them? And kind of taking that further this year, looking at the Dolphins' schedule this year, is there a team that you just circled and said, I cannot wait for this? Yeah, for me, you know, you're right. The, the, the key for most of these guys is, you know, playing against the team they grew up loving, you know. And for me, that this year, the, the Browns are coming to town. You know, yeah. being from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, the Browns coming to town, a team that I love, you know, you know, growing up. Um, and then hated everybody else in the AFC North now. It wasn't Central back then, you know. And so we were playing against the Pittsburghs. You know, I know the Ravens are in there now. You know, the Cincinnati's, all those teams that I grew up not liking because I was a Browns fan. You know, we get an opportunity to get them. You know, as a as a Dolphin man. So yeah, that but that that Browns game. My family's already calling me for tickets down here. And I'm not getting them any. T- I'll never give. I'll never give Browns fans or any other team fans tickets to our home stadium. That's for damn sure. They got to find their own. 
I look, I'm not standing up, but that is worth a standing ovation. You heard it from OJ McDuffie. He is not getting even his family, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfectville. He ain't giving them tickets because hey, they are rooting for the other team. You can show hey, up and pay full price. I appreciate that's right. It. And I hope we put them in the sun, you know, those top those first 10 rows right behind the Browns bench and let them bake. And then they can come back and jump in my pool. I uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hang up. We're, we're not we're not family for three hours and you know thirty minutes. But afterwards, come on by. I you know I went to uh, a couple a couple years ago. We were playing the Chicago Bears in uh, in Miami in October. It was for my birthday. I went out there, and that was the uh, the overtime game uh, where we we came back and won that game. And uh, I wasn't playing. I was drinking. I was hanging out. But I I lost about. 27 pounds in three hours <laughs> and right. i was <laughs> i was wearing a tank top and shorts i mean just being in that sun is absolutely no joke with that humidity out there like everyone always talks about it but until you've actually experienced it even as a fan in the stands it is something else man i, I mean is, yeah. is there i know for like bills bills players and, and patriots players they don't like coming to south florida in september because they're right. going to be put their in their in their home uniforms right and uh, they're just going to melt out there. Was there a stadium for you like that? Where you're like, I just do, it was a house of horrors for you. I don't like going there. I didn't play well, or there was conditions that were just not ideal. What was that stadium for you? Well, I hated playing in Buffalo because they had that nasty turf, and it was yeah. usually pretty slippery. They knew what shoes to wear. We had, we were trying to figure it out through the half. You know what I mean? And it seemed like every year we'd go through the same crap with them out there, man. You know, and, and of course the weather was always nasty. It could be September and it's nasty out there in that that ugly ass city. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> But, you know, for the most part, man, the Meadowlands were tough because the wind was always so yeah. tough, especially for a guy that catches punts and kickoffs. You know, so that was my thing for them is get out there early, judge this wind, see how you know, tough it's going to be, you know, kicking with the wind, kicking against the wind, the tunnels, the, you know, the doors are open. It's all kinds of things like that. But the weather always seemed to be pretty nasty there, too. But, man, playing in Buffalo, you know, in December – Oh, man, that was always a doozy. And they always, you know what they always try to do? They used to always come out with no sleeves on, you know what I mean, looking all tough. We got, like, you know, winter coats on underneath our jerseys trying to stay warm, you know. So the mind game starts early out there, man. So, yeah, I, I hated playing in Buffalo. So you guys find yourself trying to chase them with that look? Like, you know, you got Daryl Talley out there and Bruce Smith and everyone else going, looking out, you know, sleeveless, looking like this ain't nothing. And you guys, I mean, you yeah. guys cutting sleeves off trying to match them? Or Some guys that... did, not me. Yeah. Not me, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I had my, yo, I have, I have my dry fit winter edition Nike shirt underneath my, underneath my jersey. Because one thing you have to do is you have to eliminate that as a factor in your yeah. mind. You have to right away. You know, can you see guys that do that, go out with no sleeves? They're the first ones to the sideline to get a parka and sit on the hot seat, you know? That means you're just trying to get off the field. I, for me, I, I, I never sat down. So if, I'm, if I eliminate weather right away, then the rest is just playing the game. And we only got to be out there for three hours, bro. You know, I mean, it's three hours. We can handle this. And we go out there and you have to be able to ball up. But some guys, you know, the weather was definitely a major factor for them. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it was never weather, but I went to a, a Dolphins Chargers game uh, a couple of years ago in Los Angeles when the Chargers were playing. It was actually a soccer stadium. They had, they had moved into uh, where they uh, share a stadium with the Rams now. And, and that to me was the house of horrors because I had to park. I don't know, an ungodly, it was probably like a half mile. So I'm, I'm complaining, but I had to walk a long way to get there. And then on the way, I, I shit you not, like I'm walking and all of a sudden I'm just, I'm wet and I'm covered in something. I don't know what it is. And this Chargers fan had come by and he'd taken like individual, you know, like McDonald's barbecue sauce packages 
and he bundled them up so tight in a bag and he threw them at me and it hit the ground and exploded all over <laughs> me. So now I'm covered in barbecue sauce in Los Angeles, California. It's hot as hell. I'm sticky. It's gross. Oh, Thankfully, man. we won that game on a missed field goal by the Chargers kicker at the end, which they thought they had made. So they they shot off all the cannons and everything. And all the Charger fans were cheering. And it turned out that we'd won. But yeah, I, uh, I walked back to my hotel room that night and I was just covered in McDonald's filth. And I was like, never again. Dirty. That's a dirty trick right there. It was, you know, and I was like, I, I can't wait to do this to uh, to an unsuspecting Patriots fan <laughs> before too long. We got more class in there. You won't do that, Sam. You, you no, got more class in there. I got a little more class. You know, and I'm going to probably throw some Cajun size uh, spices in there as well. I'm not going to go straight barbecue sauce. We got to we got to keep it uh, got to keep it real for Miami. But uh, talking to OJ McDuffie again, you can find him on the Fish Tank with Seth Levitt every single week as part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. I know you don't like to do predictions, but uh, just in general. How are you feeling about the Miami Dolphins? We've talked about the vibe. We talked about the talent. Uh, like you said, you think we're going to get that extra win that gets us into the playoffs. Uh, so I, I'm guessing I already know the answer to this, but uh, uh, we're, we're thinking it's going to be a pretty good season for the Miami Dolphins. I think it's going to be an outstanding season. I think it's all, it all, it's all predicated, obviously, on how we get off to, what start we get off to. And I think we're going to get off to a really good start. I think we'll su- surprise a lot of people. I tell you, we talk about a little bit, man, that the weather. September's got to be a lot better for us than yeah. it has been, you know? Last year, obviously, you know, we win the first game, lose our next seven. And some of those at home, you know, you got to go out there and you got to put it on people because when we go up there in the, in the cold weather, you know, that's going to be their advantage. So I think we're going to get off to a much better start this year. If we can weather that that road trip, you know, maybe go, you know, hopefully two and one between the, the two California teams in Buffalo, or if not get one win in there, I think that's going to be critical. But I think we're going to shock a lot of people. I do expect us to get to probably 11 wins this year. And, uh, you know, and I'm always biased and I'm a homer. I get all that. But I just look at what we put together and, you know, bringing that defense back and, you know, the defense that knows our division very well, um, you know, and bringing in some new guys that, you know, have killed a lot of teams within our division. Tyreek has killed Buffalo. Yeah. And I hope they're scared now that he's in our division. You know, Tyreek has killed everybody. And so I know he's beat up on, on, on the Jets a couple of times. So and, and, they, and they know where Waddle's coming. Another year in the, in the, in a, you know, in the league for Waddle is going to be something special. I mean, think about this, man. If you're trying to stop our offense and we're able to run the ball, pick your poison and what are you going to do? Are you going to put another guy in the box or are you going to play coverage and, and cover two and let us run it? So if you do put somebody in the box, how are you going to guard Jalen, Gesicki, and, you know, and Tyreek, you know, and Cedric? How are you going to – I mean – that we're, we're creating a perfect storm for our team. God willing, everybody stays healthy. But I think it's a great situation right now for us, you know, to go out there and shock the world. You know, you said there's a lot of respect from a lot of people in the league, and I, and I get that around the league. But then, you know, like I said, when Vegas treats us like that, that really, that really pisses me off. So we'll see. I mean, we are we are one win less uh, in terms of Vegas throwing that out there from OJ McDuffie suiting up himself and getting out there That's and right. proving all the haters wrong. Yeah, I'll I, run uh, one play, one play for those paychecks. You damn right, I will. <laughs> yeah, just, I'll run one play. You might do a better throw you the ball though if you're suiting up for one play, right? Man, I'll, I'll be a decoy, man. Don't matter. I don't. I don't need to get hit at fifty-two, bro. I might not be able to recover. You could be like Chad Peddington during the Wildcat days, just standing out there like Wait, I ain't don't, don't, Yeah, back up, maybe run out of bounds. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I, I'm, I'm not 52, and I don't want to get hit by any of those players either. I, uh, I did something with Bleacher Report a couple of years ago with Jonathan Abram from the from the Raiders, and they asked me, uh, would you mind if he hit you? And I said, I do. I do mind. I do and, mind. Uh, so yes. we, have, yes. we have enough content. You're not going to hit me. He's not going to hit me. Nobody's hitting me. Uh, we can, I can just block out right now. I don't need this. But, uh, well, look, I, I'm going to let you go, OJ. I appreciate you jumping on here on the town of Perfectville, uh, talking 
all things Miami Dolphins, talking a little bit about your career, talking about the cesspool that is Buffalo, New York. I appreciate that. That was the team I hated the most. I know the oh, Patriots man. have been the Patriots, but the right. 90s as right. a kid growing up, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre oh. Reed, James Lofton, Pete Metzelars, Kent Hull, their center. I know everybody on that team. Yes. Because they were the they were the Patriots, if you want to call it that, back in they the sure were. That was they the sure team. Were. Everybody talks about them, you know, losing those four Super Bowls in a row. How many have I been to in my life? Zero. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just the hardest thing to do is to get there. You know, so that's it's not a laughing matter for those guys to lose them. And I know they they feel it, but man, they were that great that they got there four years in a row. And, and you can almost make the case that getting back there after losing. I mean, how many teams go back to the Super Bowl the year after they lose it? It's very rare. I mean, they yeah. se- seem to lose momentum, and they got there four in a row. I mean, they just went up against really the NFC East, right? I mean, yeah. it was the Redskins yeah. at the time, uh, the Giants, and of course, the Dallas Cowboys twice yeah. a year. So, yeah. no, I just, I hate that team. I hate that franchise with a passion to this yeah. day because <laughs> of the 90s and everything that they did to my uh, my beloved Miami Dolphins. But yes, uh, we'll uh, we'll get them back this year. I, I agree with you. I like, uh, I think I had us at 10 wins. Chris, who I think is still peeing. He's been peeing this oh, entire yeah. interview. Yeah, he's, he's hey, man, he had a long weekend. You know, it was a long weekend. Yeah, just a lot of, too much water. He's not a camel. <laughs> he didn't need that much water, but uh, he missed the entire interview. He's going to be mad, but uh, I'll just tell him that, that you canceled. We'll just tell him that. And that yeah. way he won't feel so bad until he listens to it on the playback. Right. But, yeah. Can't, yeah. <laughs> remove all his devices so he doesn't see it or hear it later. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, let everybody know where they can find you one more time, and then I will, uh, I'll let you get back to it. I know you're a busy man. Yeah, we're at the, you know, for our podcast at the Fish Tank 81 on all podcasts, wherever you stream your podcast, we're on that with the, you know, on the, on the Miami Dolphins Network and, and all my socials are at, at OJ McDuffie 81. So, yeah, those are all the, the best ways to find me or find me at home with the family. That's the other place. But not during game time. During game right. time, if you're That's playing right. the Cleveland Browns and you are related to O.J. McDuffie, you go sit in that heat. You pay full price, and uh, he'll see you after the, after the game in That's the pool. Right. That's right. All right. Well, he's O.J. McDuffie. I'm Sam Marku. We'll be back right after these words. You've been to PatchVibes.com yet? What? You haven't? Why not? Everyone knows PatchVibes.com has the greatest Miami Dolphins swag, gear, patches, mugs, everything you can possibly want of any website ever. So what the hell are you doing? Why haven't you been there? Go there now. Stop what you're doing. Pause this podcast. Go to PatchVibes.com right now and go get yourself some nice Miami Dolphins gear. Shirts, tank tops, hats, patches, stickers, anything and everything you or anybody else in your family that's a Miami Dolphins fan could possibly want is at PatchVibes.com. So go there and then come back and finish the show. You're welcome. And we're back. Welcome to Perfect Bill. Chris Colon, Sam Marcu, segment number three on this very lovely episode of Perfect Bill. Chris, you're looking at me odd. What's up? Uh, segment two, man. I just got back from peeing. Um, took the trash out. Wash my hands. We got we to gotta do the OJ thing. You're right. My mistake. You're right. Um, actually, this is segment number two, not segment number three. I completely, I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, That's what I'm here for, man. I, I keep the show rolling. I keep the bells and whistles and the buttons pushed, doors locked, things of that nature. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, two-time Hall of Famer, a doctor, and producer extraordinaire. Uh, I do have a little bit of bad news. I While you were peeing, it was a long pee, by the way, uh, OJ McDuffie actually had to uh, cancel. So. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer last second here, but um, we aren't going to be able to talk to OJ. I know you had a bunch of questions uh, to, to, to talk to him about and ask him some questions, but uh, we'll just we'll get him on some other time. He's been on the show before. He's cool as hell. He's one of our favorite guests. So we'll just get him on next time. So you're right. Segment number two, not segment number three. Um, we'll, we'll just have to talk to OJ McDuffie uh, another time.
That's just the way it is. Yeah, it's a long off season. I'll just I'll table them. I'll just uh, parking lot the questions and table those for for next time. Cool. So I'm gonna figure out two more segments. Yikes. Yeah, you know, one of the things we could talk about is, um, you know, maybe the other teams in the AFC East. So usually we do a second on the AFC East. Let's just spend a few minutes on the AFC East here in segment number three, two, segment number two. And uh, we'll just talk about what the other teams are doing, because you have to know the enemy, right? We have to know how we stack up against the Jets, the Patriots and the Bills, which, you know, let's just start with the Bills, because as you know, the team that I hate the most in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills. And I know for a fact, like OJ McDuffie, as an example, who's telling me recently that that was the stadium. Rich Hill Stadium was the stadium, that, not Rich Hill Stadium, uh, whatever their stadium is up there, is the stadium that he hated playing in the most. He hates the city of Buffalo. He hated playing against the Buffalo Bills. He hated how cold it was. He absolutely just de- despises the Buffalo Bills, the franchise, and that stadium. So why don't we start there? Let's 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 see how we stack up did against. He, did he tweet that recently or something? Uh, yeah, no. Well, yeah, he it must have been a tweet. I, I'm I'm guessing oh, it was okay. a tweet. Yeah, he must have. Yeah, I, I don't, you said he told you. I just I was like, man, you guys are. Well, I, mean, I know you interact on Twitter and stuff, so. Yeah, but you know how it is. Like you know, you talk to a celebrity on Twitter, and then you tell your friends, "Oh, I talked to so and so," but really, you just oh, kind of okay. tweeted at him. So yeah, I think that's what it was. He he he'd asked a question on. I think it was uh, the Dolphin Spaces that he does on Wednesday nights. Um, yeah. And and somebody had asked him that question about what what stadium did he hated playing the most, and uh, what he told me was Buffalo. Um, Okay, so anyway, let's, oh. yeah, I know I'm I'm a little bit odd. I'm a little rusty or something. I don't know what's going on. But let's just start with the Buffalo Bills here, Chris. They are the now the beasts of the AFC East. It was the Patriots forever. It's now the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills have been beating the Miami Dolphins' ass for really since Josh Allen came into the league. I think we beat him once, and that was like his first time playing us. And he's been seven and zero ever since. Um, they are the favorite not only to win the AFC East, but possibly be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl this year. Um, and I don't see a lot of holes in their game. In fact, you could argue that they're even better than they were last season, and they were pretty darn good last season. So let's just talk about them for a little bit. Uh, what works for the Buffalo Bills? What's good for them? And where are their holes? Where are their weaknesses? How do the Miami Dolphins stack up against those Buffalo Bills? Yeah, this is obviously the the biggest fear of the division. This is uh, the creme de la creme. This is who we have to hold our uh, our team up in comparison, and that's what we're looking up at them. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, there's been opportunities to go to the playoffs, and all we had to do was beat them, even with, like, a lot of their starters not playing. Um, there's been plenty of times for us to uh, go into Buffalo and, and win games, and then there's been even more than that times of them railroading the shit out of us by a lot of points to a little points. They just have our number, and it's been – pretty bad i mean it's like the last three four seasons i i I think one win maybe against the the team which is just ridiculous you can't have that if you want to be considered a good team in the nfl um they just have our number man and it's going to be tough this year again um you have to at least split with them i I would think you know take our home game if we have to but uh if we want to go to the playoffs and do damage we've got to get past that because that's a big black eye on us and it has been for a while yeah, it really is. I mean, they signed Von Miller to a ridiculous contract, which we've already talked about on this on this show. But Von Miller is still a good player. And Von Miller is somebody that the Miami Dolphins are going to have to account for. So you add Von Miller to a defense, which was already, I think, the best in the NFL. 
Um, and that's a scary proposition. And they've been good really ever since Stefan Diggs, quite frankly, came to the Buffalo Bills. But they did lose their offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball. He is now the head coach of the New York Giants. How big of an impact is that going to be on Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, that entire Miami or Buffalo Bills offense? Uh, is it a big impact? Do they absorb that and they already know enough that they can just keep rolling forward? Or what do you think the impact of Brian Dayball leaving the Buffalo Bills to go to the New York Giants is going to be? Um, this isn't the best answer for a show like this, but it's yet to be seen because, I mean, honestly, he's one of those coordinators. Did he get the head coaching job because he just had tons of talent around him that made him look good? Or was he actually a good coach that got the most out of this talent? Uh, we're going to separate that and see how he does in the, with the New York Giants, and we're going to see that with the uh, Buffalo Bills players. Here's the thing with the Buffalo Bills players. Those guys are pretty damn good, and they're pretty great athletes. And Ken Dorsey's coming in now, I believe, as their offensive coordinator who worked hand-in-hand with Dayball. So uh, I don't know if there's even going to be much of a change. They might even get better with Ken Dorsey being a former quarterback and him and Josh Allen working together for all those years. Uh, I, I uh, honestly, if I had to lean to a position, I, I think they might even be better. Like, I, I don't even know if losing Brian Dayball is going to be like, oh, now that's the ticket and we'll beat Buffalo now. Well, in ways they could be better, too, is that if you look at their draft, they actually had a really decent draft. And I'll give you three names from this Buffalo Bills draft that just happened that I think go damn, they're, they're starting to figure this out in Western New York. Number one, their first round pick, Kair Elam out of uh, Florida, a cornerback. So they, if you look at what the Miami Dolphins have done, if you look at even what the Patriots have done, and to a lesser extent, the Jets, you see a lot of weapons, a lot of wide receivers that are being you know, on these offenses now. So the Buffalo Bills went out and they went and got themselves a stud rookie cornerback that they could put back there uh, to help mitigate that. Now, whether he works out or not, not sure, but I love the strategy of what they're doing and saying, we can add to this defense, you know, churn in some younger talent and keep this gravy train running. The next one, James Cook running back out of uh, what Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, looked miserable because he grew up a Dolphins fan, looked miserable, not only being drafted by the Bills, but if you look at some of the rookie photos that came out recently, everyone else is smiling, happy to be in the league. He just looks like he's ready to jump off a cliff because he does not look like he's happy to be in Buffalo. But I will say this, that will change the moment he, you know, snaps off a 40-yard run against the New York Jets and gets dirt, and uh, everyone starts cheering his name there in Western New York. So that's another one. And on top of everything else, nobody talks about punters and kickers more than Chris Cullen, Sam Marcu in the town of Perfectville. They went out and got Matt Ariza, that punter out of San Diego State, if I'm not mistaken, who can punt the ball 75 yards. So not only do you have a good offensive weapon and a good defensive weapon in your first and second round picks, but you go down and get the best punter ever known to man for the few times that you can't score. Uh, And even if you're pinned back deep and you're in your own end zone, he's going to kick you onto the other side of the field. Um, I think you're right. I think they've gotten better. And that's a scary proposition if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook's his brother and, uh, you know, he's a damn good running back in the NFL. So if he's even like 80% as good as his brother, because that's the one thing the Bills have been missing is a running game. Like they're like by committee, Josh Allen was throwing it 60 times a game and they didn't really need it. If they get that balance now with Josh Allen and Diggs, that's pretty scary. And and he's already come out and said too that uh, he just has a resting bitch face basically and that he's happy to be in Buffalo. But I want to go back to uh, um, the punter here because this guy isn't just you're, – you're not joking. This isn't hyperbole. Like Kyle Brandt in Good Morning Football like did a whole piece on this guy. Like he is – like a badass, they're talking like you know top three rounds for, for him because of how he dictates field position and yeah. his cough, you know corner coffin kicking and things like that. He's 
he's a really good punter. Like, I mean, I, I love this. This whole episode's been just ridiculous. Luckily, we didn't get OJ on. Maybe it would have been some bad juju. Um, but yeah, it's it's got one of those things where it's like he's a good punter. I know we're talking punters, but it, it could make a difference, man. It really could, you know. And I remember talking to OJ a little earlier, and he was talking about how he used to return punts on top of being a receiver. And one of the play areas that he hated returning punts in was uh, the Meadowlands, the old uh, the old uh, stadium for the New York Jets, because it would it was so windy that somebody would punt the ball and it would just change direction fifteen times before it would land. So it was really really hard to figure out exactly where to stand and how to go and navigate and catch that ball when he was uh, returning punts on top of being a wide receiver, uh, which is why I think having a good special teams, especially when you play against the teams like the Jets, where that factor in terms of weather is there, um, makes so much sense. And I, I give the Bills credit for getting that punter. But since we're already started talking about the Jets and everything that OJ was telling me a little bit earlier, uh, let's just get right into the Jets here, Chris. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are the creme de la creme. The Jets have been the bottom of the barrel for the AFC East for quite some time. I don't see that changing. I think they may, they had, at least on paper, a pretty good draft. Uh, they got some pieces in free agency, but I don't trust that quarterback, and I don't think their head coach is going to be a head coach for too long in this league. Uh, what say you? Real quick, Sam, I'm glad we're podcasting and not live. I would just listen back to that and edit out. You said again, you talked to OJ, so just we can cut this out too, but if you want to just – you'll have to look back. You said you talked to OJ again, so it must have been that space or something. But yeah. just heads up, I'll pick it up from where um, what you just said. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, man. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Jets are doing great. The Jets are doing great. Honestly, uh, it, their draft was actually pretty scary. I, I like their draft better than the Bills. They get the kid from uh, you know uh, the Florida State, I believe, the defensive end. They get Brees Hall. They get um, the receiver from was it Ohio State or Alabama? Uh, so. They 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 did pretty good, so <laughs> but they were so bad, Sam, that like they still are dead last in the AFCs. This is going to be a year or two before they even start getting the ball rolling. No one even knows what Zach Wilson is at this point, besides a weird Mormon guy with a weird mom. Uh, so like honestly, the the chips are there, but everybody can have decent players. You got to have a whole team around them, and you have to have good coaching. And as of right now, you're right. They're still the basement dwellers in the AFC, it's in my opinion. But they did good things. It's as bad as it hurts me to say that. Yeah, I mean, Sauce Gardner, despite getting lost on his way to the stage, and that's the guy that's going to actually, you know, cover Tyreek Hill and or Jalen Waddle, uh, seems like a pretty safe pick, number four overall. And then, of course, you were talking about the uh, wide receiver from Ohio State, Garrett Wilson. Um, yep. He went number 10 to the New York Jets. So they go defense, offense right away to shore up both sides because they need help just about everywhere. And then they come in and they get Jermaine Johnson, the second defensive end out of Florida State that you're talking about, 26 overall. So three first round draft picks, similar to what the Miami Dolphins did the year before uh, in terms of, or two years before when they had three first round draft picks. Uh, here's hoping that they hit on maybe only one of them, just like the Miami Dolphins did, and we work out yeah. that way. Because I actually really like Brees Hall out of Ohio State, or Iowa State who they got uh, in the second round, 36 overall. So a pretty high second round draft pick. They had a lot of draft capital and they spent it. Um, I don't think that they have closed the gap to the Miami Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to have to take them a little bit more seriously than maybe they have the last few years. Not that we've overlooked them. It just seemed like a pretty easy victory. I don't think it's going to be as easy. And if we were to look at them as kind of like a trap game and 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 not view them as anybody to worry about, they could come in and, and really just trip us by our ankles here. Um, but I think the Jets 
are further away from the Dolphins than the Dolphins are from the Bills, if that makes any sense. I think the gap between the Bills and the Dolphins is a gap, but it's more narrow than where the Jets and the Dolphins are currently. So despite the positives, I still think the Jets are probably going to finish in dead last for the AFC East. They will not be a playoff contender. They're probably going to win a few games. I know everyone's looking at that schedule going, they're going to go 0-10, 0-11. That might be true, but they're probably going to win a couple of games or at least scare some teams uh, along the way because they have more talent than I think we um, I think are, are giving them credit for right now. And um, if they're able to shock a couple teams, all of a sudden you might be looking at a, a Jets team that wins four or five, maybe six games when everyone's counting them out and saying they're going to win about three. Yeah, you never know the NFL. I mean, they beat Cincinnati last year um, with the worst team, with the worst roster. So they definitely got better. Getting balanced with Brees Hall is, is great for them. Um, and I definitely hope McDaniel doesn't have us going in with the mindset of here's an easy win because it has been. This is the NFL, and they definitely got better. Um, to, be, to be honest, I'd rather – if you ask me to pick A or B and A being that draft that they had or B them trading some of those picks and getting Tyree kill, I'd rather them end up how it did because yeah. uh, them with Tyree kill. Oof. Yeah, no Tyree kill being for the, uh, being with the Miami dolphins is exactly how it needed to be. Uh, him being on the jets would have been kind of a scary uh, proposition, especially for a young quarterback, which we're going to reap the benefits of with Tua Tungabailoa. And that just leaves the new England Patriots. And, uh, Boston. I was thinking about this the other day here, Chris. I don't think there is a team in Boston that I like. I hate the Boston Bruins. I hate the Boston Celtics. OJ McDuffie was uh, a Cleveland Cavaliers fan sort of growing up uh, because he's from the Cleveland area, right? But he he has told me, he was just saying that he's South Florida for everything. Florida Panthers, Miami Dolphins, Miami Heat. He's a huge Miami Heat fan. He was so pissed off that the Boston Celtics beat the Heat the other night. And uh, he just, he he has a disdain for Boston very much like how you and I do, right? Like I hate the Red Sox. I hate the Celtics. I hate just about everything Boston. And for the Patriots out there, we've hated them for the last 20 years, especially. So to see them start to knock down a little bit, we beat them twice last year. First time we swept them in a very long time. They are not the team that they once were. They have some talent. You still have Bill Belichick, but they've lost their offensive coordinator. They got Devontae Parker, but we know how that book ends because we've been reading that chapter after chapter every single season. Mac Jones, I don't buy, even if he's in the best shape of his life. That's not saying much because he, the shape he was in prior to this year was round, you know. So it's not like he was exactly killing it in the gym before this year. So I think all he did is do his little power walk, RuPaul, you know, stage walk uh, around the stadium a few times and he lost about 10 pounds. Um, I don't think the Patriots are, in fact, I think the chasm between you know, the Dolphins and the Patriots has fallen even further. I think we were better than them last year, and that proved it on the field. And I think that gap has widened even further. I think they're starting to fall further down. The Jets are closer to the Patriots than the Patriots are to the Dolphins. I firmly believe that. What say you? First of all, fuck Boston. Like, yep. on, like straight up, fuck Boston. Fuck the Sharks. They're fucking stupid accents. Fuck Matt Damon. Back, fuck Ben Affleck. His Batman was terrible. Way overrated. Um, the Dunkin' Donuts is garbage. Um, Goodwill Hunting is a terrible movie. Um, Harvard sucks. Like it's super overrated. Um, Boston Cream Donuts are fucking trash. They're disgusting. Um, and it, anytime another Boston team loses, I, you're, I'm right there with you, Sam. I'm happy because I know a Patriot fan is upset. Like if, if that makes any sense. Like if the Bruins lose, I'm like. <laughs> There's a guy with a Tom Brady jersey in the closet pissed off right now throwing a 
you know, shitty fruity beer or something. So yeah, fuck Boston. Uh, second, I'd probably notate like five, like 30 seconds ago, Sam, you mentioned OJ again, just want to let you know um, that he said something to you. Uh, and then, yeah, the Patriots totally agree. I'm going to pick it up right, right there. Uh, the Patri- Patriots totally agree. Terrible, terrible team. They're not, they got worse from last year. Devontae Parker does not scare me. Um, he's, he, he probably will have one of those former Dolphin games against us. That's the way it goes. Maybe a half. Um, but other than that, I, I think our talent level is above theirs. We have the momentum as far as like uh, recent wins, as far as sweeping them last season. And Mac Jones, to be honest, has looked super like pedestrian against our defense. Like Xavier Howard's out the feast, man. And, and I know he's going to get a little bit better because he's not a rookie. Um, but man, he did nothing to worry me the last, uh, the first two games that we played in his career. So yeah, and you got to break down the AFC East. I agree with you. I, I think it goes Buffalo up at the, the peak. Here's us kind of hanging in the middle. We got that like ski resort restaurant. And then, like, the Patriots are at the base just now looking up, going, whew, it's going to be a long hike. And the Jets are the overfilled garbage from my neighbor's house that I passed by today. Well, and speaking of garbage, I mean, the Patriots offensive game plan, all the reports coming out of Boston that uh, since Josh McDaniels has left to go to the Raiders, that they just don't know what they're doing in terms of calling plays. And it's almost like they have co-offensive coordinators. And we know how that worked out for the Miami Dolphins last year. So, you know, even if the talent were the same, which it's not, it does seem like there's a coaching void happening in New England under Bill Belichick, which can probably lose them some games next year, uh, just like it could very well win some games for the Miami Dolphins next year. In fact, I, I mean, again, um, I, I must have read it in an article or something, but OJ McDuffie seems to think that Mike McDaniel is worth at least one or two additional victories. And he thinks the Miami Dolphins are probably going to get 11 wins, very similar to what you had said last week, Chris, uh, and make the playoffs. So, I, I mean, coaching does matter. And the coaching tree for the, for the, doing the Patriots is starting to wilt a little bit and it's starting to rot at its core. And I think that's going to help the Miami Dolphins just solidify themselves as at a minimum, the number two team in the AFC East behind the Buffalo Bills. Hey man, fuck you. You interviewed OJ, didn't you? Well, I was peeing. That's, that's just too many times to make a mistake. You're professional, Sam. You've been on stage with a microphone. You're a comedian. You've done this damn podcast for over half a decade. You talk to OJ McDuffie. I'm going to literally tweet him and ask. Dude, is this segment three? Okay. All right. This is segment three. And yes, I did talk to OJ McDuffie. He did. He was curious as to where you were. But dude, you peed for so long. Like how much bubbly water did you drink? Like it it makes absolutely no sense. I talked to OJ McDuffie for like 35 minutes. And all we heard was you moaning in the background in the toilet. Like it didn't make any sense why you had to pee that long. Like, it's crazy. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was a delightful interview. He's so funny. I can't wait for you to listen to Dude, it. Dude, fuck it you. Uh, but it, but it, it was, was Memorial Day yesterday. I drank a lot of beer. I had to drink a lot of water to overcompensate for today. Bubbly is water. There's no sugar, no carbs. And I have also got a gigantic Miami Dolphins mug of water that I've been drinking as well. And we just got done talking about taking the garbage out. I'm not going to sit there and be a hypocrite. I had to walk the garbage around and it was about eight to nine steps and my pee. You couldn't wait for me. Like, that's ridiculous. Look, I could hear in the background. There was actually a couple of planes that flew over your head, too. So I understand you got a little bit distracted looking at the planes, trying oh, to figure uh-huh. out the tail number. But, I, I, dude, I was I, he was on. He was like, OK, we got to do this. Like, he, he was outside. It was hot. He was sweating. You know, you know how it is in South Florida. I mean, you're from there. You get it. Like, he's like, look, I, I can't yeah, stay here much I longer. From South Florida. I really like OJ McDuffie. I really would have liked to talk to him. So that's really cool 
that you had to interview and I had notes and, and questions and everything. And then he's not going to come on anytime soon. Who does that? You don't come on like that recently. So it's going to be at least like a year or two before we even get his availability again. And who knows where I am at that time. Obviously, I'm going to have to be super dried out so my co-host doesn't fucking Judas me and interview the original Juice for the Dolphins, right? Like, you interviewed him. And it was good. Like, dude. Shit. Well, look, if, if you drank in some OJ instead of all that water, maybe you could have held on a little bit longer and actually been a part of the interview. I'm like, I, I t- like, look, look, you know what this is? This is no different than when you somehow became a two time Hall of Famer and have all the voting rights on future Hall of Famers here for Perfectville. And I'm not even in the Hall of Fame that I created. So this is just kind of like how it is sometimes, man. There's weird timing. I'm sorry. OK, I'm sorry. This is segment three. OJ McDuffie was a stellar interview. Check him out on the fish tank. Check him out Wednesday nights with the Miami Dolphins podcast network on Twitter spaces, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I'm, he was really good. I wish you could have been there. I, I, I missed you. I felt bad. I felt I really I was like, man, I wish Chris was here right now because, I mean, some of the I like you, you'd give me your notes, the questions that you wanted to ask him. And I, I asked him those questions. I didn't say they were from you. I just asked him like I had come up with them and he had some really, really good answers. So. Um, you should be proud, man. Like the, the questions were good. He, he, he gave us a lot of good feedback and I'm sorry. And the show, Sam, do the whole, like, if you don't have anything, just end it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Chris has nothing else left to say. So on behalf of Chris Cullen, um, Sam Marku, the entire believe network, special thanks to OJ McDuffie for segment number two. I guess the only thing left to say is Goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Oh, oh no. You threw the camera. It's an expensive camera. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.